This podcast may contain graphic and or explicit content that may not be suitable for some listeners, especially kids like me. <laughs> Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Real Life Podcast brought to you by the Thin Blue Line for Women. In this podcast, We open up and talk about real-life issues as they relate to first responders. It's raw, it's real, and it's about time. I'm Tamara, your host. Thanks for joining me. Are you looking for Thin Blue Line gear? It's available on our website at thinbluelineforwomen.com. That's thinbluelineforwomen.com the number four, women.com. Show your support for law enforcement and get your Thin Blue Line gear today. Just click on shop at thinbluelineforwomen.com. Don't forget, you can listen to The Real Life Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Radio Public, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Casts, and on YouTube. Thank you for joining us. On March 2nd, I invited Sergeant Manders onto the Real Life Podcast. She was such a joy to talk with, so I invited her back for another episode. Today, we're going to discuss COVID-19, George Floyd, firefighters, active shooters, and marriage. So go grab your favorite beverage, maybe a snack, and enjoy part two with Sergeant Manders. All right. I have Sergeant Manders back in the studio with me today. Hi, how are you? Hi, good. How are you doing? Good. Thank you for coming on again. So I wanted to have you back on because the first time I had you on, it was back on March 2nd and that's before COVID-19 hit. Yeah. And so we had nothing to complain about back then. We were just laughing, talking, (laughs) doing our thing. (laughs) Little did we know. (laughs) But now we have things to talk about. Yeah. So um, a couple weeks after that, COVID hit. So tell me how it affected your job and then tell me how it affected your family because you have two little ones at home. I do. You know, um, and I was asked about this uh, from, you know, local news person. And honestly, I've never wanted people spit on me (laughs) or to be within six feet of me while I'm at work. Um, So practically you know, in terms of what we do to prevent stuff like that, I don't think a whole lot changed. I mean, they gave us equipment that we wouldn't have thought about ever putting on to begin with. I mean, if we were using mm-hmm. masks, we were putting them on other people, you know, like spit hoods right. and stuff like that. Yeah, right. Um, but it, it really, at the get-go, didn't change a whole lot. I mean, they they did some some things around our department to bolster our staffing, to make sure um, we weren't short staffed if anyone got sick. And and luckily we had had no one get sick for a long, long time. And Um, you're in Florida. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So, 
Um, so we were very fortunate, had, had no issues with that. And we were, you know, I wasn't sending officers to calls that they just didn't need to go to, you know, if, if we were having party complaints with no complainants and no allegations of any violence or anything like that, I was canceling calls. You know, we weren't, there was no need for officers to go to a lot of things that weren't risking life and limb, you know? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that was really all that was tremendously different. That and, you know, I've got boatloads of masks to hand out when officers Mm -hmm. are like, I need a mask. But (laughs) other than that, it, like I said, I, I think for years and years and years, no one in this profession has wanted people's bodily fluids on them to be exactly. in such close proximity. Right. So I'm like, what's new about this? What's different? Exactly. Right. Now, do you, now at your police department, it's a police department, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you have like a, um, like a front counter area where the public can come in and, and file a complaint or ask a question or anything like that? We so I'm sure, the, yeah. I'm sure that changed a, a little um, bit. Well, thankfully, that area had been put behind glass some time ago. Um, And then our records division, you know, where people would go in and get report copies and pay, you know, city fees and um, fingerprinting, you know, all that kind of stuff that they're all behind glass, too. So um, that didn't have to change either. But what about the employees? I mean, the employees probably sat right next to each other at desks. Did that have to change? Did they have to? rearranged furniture or anything like that that you know of? They didn't. There were, you know, some folks that they had doing things, um, working remotely, you know, mm-hmm. from their home locations. I know we had, we had some people that do that. They, they altered kind of the work schedule. Like I think that was the biggest thing. Cause we just didn't have a way to physically separate people. Yeah. So they would say, okay, this week you are working in the office Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then you're working the, you know, another half of people are working Tuesday, Thursday, and then they'd swap. Yeah, kind of like, right. you know, I, I think that that was the easiest yeah. way for them to manage that. Mm-hmm. And and what they considered, you know, if folks were not essential to be there, mm-hmm. you know, they would, they would, the city had them stay home. I remember uh, seeing a lot of um, like memes and gifs when that first happened. Oh, I'm not essential. I'm not essential. Right. And everyone felt right. their, their feelings were so hurt. Essential right now though. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm not essential anymore. <laughs> so how did it affect your children at home? Because this is right during uh, the school year with probably nine, 10, 11 weeks left and yeah. we get pulled out of school. So how did that work? So we were on spring break uh, mm-hmm. when they decided to go to the virtual school program, um, you know, the online learning or whatever. So it was a couple weeks before that really got into full swing. Like I said, everyone was on spring break, even the teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was challenging. You know, I have a, a my son um, needs a lot of direction and focus. So it was really, really time consuming. And, you know, I'm in school and I'm working full time and my husband works full time and we work opposite schedules. And he was a school resource officer. So you know, then he got put back on patrol because the schools are closed. So his schedule changed and it was, it was difficult. I mean, it was when they sent out the survey for our school district to find out who was sending their kids back. I, I honestly could not type sending them back fast <laughs> enough. Um, you know, because they, there's only so much that 
and, and I feel terrible for kids who are all by themselves, yeah. um, you know, who don't have siblings right. or who, you know, would have to be in before aftercare and things like that. And we, you know, we tried to avoid that with our kids because we knew there were folks out there who needed those spots mm-hmm. way more than we did. You know, we yeah. were able to, um, they, they worked with my schedule. So my husband's schedule would butt up against my schedule and we would, you know, kind of trade off and I'd go in. So yeah. I ended up working later at night, uh, than I would prefer to. You know, <laughs> so halfway into the midnight shift, but Ugh. at least it was something we were able to do and not have to, to say, Oh, because we need a couple hours of overwatch care. You know, now right. someone who maybe on their own may not have family or, or other, you know, folks around them to help them. Um, we didn't want to take their spot in a very limited essential worker daycare opportunity. So, um, but in that regard, we were, we were super fortunate. Um, but it, it was, it was a lot of work. It was a lot of work being a teacher and I couldn't imagine having to be home and, and, you know, do your normal Monday through Friday, nine to five. If if you had to work remotely from home and now you've got your kids who are trying to like, I just, I couldn't imagine the poor people that have to navigate through all that because right. you know in the mornings that we were I was like you're getting all your schoolwork done and then the littlest right, yeah. one thought she was like the most important little queen bee she's like I've got homework <laughs> to do on your computer mommy <laughs> like, I think I need to watch this assignment like you know she was very like very motivated by it because her brother was doing all his stuff on a computer and mm-hmm. you know I'd look over and she's like typing away I'm like what are you doing and she's like I'm doing my school assignment how old is she again she's four okay see now now that that's what makes it even more cute for the listeners that don't know she's not 15 she's four (laughs) she will she will probably be far less cute at 15 (laughs) hopefully she won't hear this podcast someday so um okay so that's covid um how did you guys keep the kids busy once everything like shut shut down what did you like when summer hit and were things still shut down and you couldn't go anywhere or like, yeah, what? for a long time there was, you know, and we have a pool out back. So during our, when we were off and we able to be home with them um, or when my husband was home with them, you know, we'd take him in the pool and let him play out back and, you know, kind of keep some semblance of normalcy. Mm-hmm. Um, but they miss their friends. You know, that yeah. was my daughter's biggest complaint at four is, you know, I, I want to go to school and see my friends. Yeah. And, uh, you know, my son has buddies that live in the neighborhood and, you know, we weren't sending them out to go knock on their door because, you know, who knows what, what their family's feeling like or what they're doing. So, you know, we, we waited for a long time before we kind of let him out and on the loose again, but I think they had a good time. I think think they did. Okay. That's good. So all this COVID comes up and uh, it's still not going away. (laughs) No. Apparently not. <laughs> I, I I thought it would, but apparently we're back in it. And then May 25th hit. May 25th happened, the killing of George Floyd, followed by the riots, which are still going on almost two months later. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you a hard question. And, okay. and I, I, I'm not political. Everyone knows that <laughs> in Blue Line for Women website and social media pages, I, I am not political on there at all. I like to be inspirational. I like to empower people. I like to have positivity, but I think it's important to talk about. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you, what was your personal reaction? Let's set aside your, your sergeant hat for a moment. 
what well, was your hard to do? I, I know, I know. I, and I thought about that when I wrote, I know. I'm like, she's, she's not, they're intertwined. But what was your personal reaction when you watched the initial video? What were your feelings? What was your reaction? Uh, you know, it was initial, like, oof. <laughs> I mean, there's really not another word for it. Um, was, and honestly, and, and as much as you want to separate the two, you really can't because it, it infiltrates your mindset. It, it, I wanted to know what else was going on. Mm-hmm, there, mm-hmm. What more has happened? You mm-hmm. know, what what more um, created that snippet of video? Mm-hmm. You know, I've I've never been one to to either excuse or demonize someone on something that I'm not fully aware of. Mm-hmm. So, and, and even to this day, I'm I'm I still don't feel confident that I'm fully aware of all of the circumstances surrounding that incident. Uh, I, I can tell my officers all day what to do different to avoid that video, mm-hmm. um, to avoid having a negative effect on your community that way. Absolutely. But in regards to what actually happened between those people in that situation on that day, I'm just, I'm not qualified to speak on, you know? Um, but it, as soon as I saw it, I thought, you know, Here I think there's go. more to this, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but this isn't going to go well. Right. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's, it was, it was stressful to watch for me. Yeah. And, and I, um, and I was personally, and my Sergeant hat was yelling at them. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are right. you doing? Like I was yelling, like, stop. <laughs> right. And I'm like, right. this is a video. I, I, they can't hear me, but it was yeah. really frustrating. <laughs> That's true. It was frustrating. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um, it, you know, and, and it's frustrating to know that regardless of the good that anyone on either side is doing, um, the negative will always get the most attention. Uh, the ne- it, it, Human that's, nature. <laughs> you know, if anyone who's ever been through any sort of training about how the media develops stories and how they, oh, yeah. um, you know, the, the, a lot of the purpose behind the media, I, I don't know that they would, you know, I don't know if you feel any different about it, but, you definitely have a perspective where there, there's more to it than this. Mm-hmm. Um, I wish more people kind of carried that perspective is I'm not going to make my judgment based on one thing. I'm going to kind of start to gather some facts and find out where that leads me instead of, you know, being so quick to determine what's right and wrong right in that moment. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you one more question, and then we're going to move on because okay. I don't want to stay. I don't want to stay on this negativity. <laughs> I'm going to. I'm going to put you on the spot, though. Okay. Okay. So, what would you say to an an advocate of the Black Lives Matter movement if if he or she were standing in your face right now, saying, "All of you cops are pigs. You're horrible. You need to be defunded." What would you, what would be your response to that? Come ride with my officers. I, 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 you know, I would hope that 
it was someone from my community, I think that's probably a bigger problem is that they're taking these broad strokes and applying them to, to places where um, they may be facing separate types of issues and not the same issues. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you look at some communities where St. Louis is completely different area. Portland's a completely different area. Mm-hmm. Seattle's a completely different area. Right. Um, and if, if you're painting broad strokes about your community issues in places that, you know, are not Seattle and Portland right. and St. Louis and Atlanta, um, then you need to look in your own backyard. But I wouldn't say, absolutely, come with us and, and come see what it is that we do. And then let's talk. Yeah. Come on one ride along. Yeah, Just absolutely. One. And see what we deal with. I had, um, I was going to have it up on my computer, but, and I don't, but you know, I wrote the book through my eyes, the yeah. CSI memoirs that haunt the soul. Well, the other day I had a really, uh, nice captain, Captain Eric Burr. He, he responded and wrote a review on it after he read the book and he put it on Twitter and it blessed his heart. It was so sweet. Um, you know, he said, like, in a world where everyone wants to de- defund the police, you know, this is a really good read. We need it. We need to see what our officers go through, the emotional toll that the job takes, et cetera. And a, f- a person wrote on that post who's not a follower of the Thin Blue Line for Women, and I'm not a follower of them. It looked like a brand new account, um, which which are popping up a lot lately. Brand new <laughs> accounts with one follower and <laughs> they're brand new. But um, so many people want to have a voice, right? Oh, Yeah. And, and they wrote, this person wrote back, um, yes, that's true, but there's, that's no excuse for hurting people or for killing people. And they need to take away, um, I, I should be reading it that way. I don't get it out of context, but, you know, I, I agree with the person, you know, I said, you're right. It doesn't excuse our bad behavior or for hurting or killing. Um, but, but, but my post was about my book and it was about the emotional toll. It had nothing to do right. with it had nothing to do with COVID. It had nothing to do with any of that. My book came out way before that. So for people to come on my posts and, and a lot of people's posts now and attacking us, it drives me nuts. Yeah. Like, mind your own business. <laughs> That's not what I'm talking about right now. I'm talking right. about the emotional toll that, that cough work takes yeah. on people. I'm not talking about the killing of George Floyd right now. And I'm not talking about COVID. I'm, I'm talking about. Well, officers. and you know, that's, and that's their take on the, you know, whole it's black lives matter versus all lives matter versus, you know, you, they don't want to be, um, to have their stories or or their causes or, or their justification, you know, as they put it, um, belittled or overshadowed by other movements. Um, you know, you're, you're the same way, you know, your, your book is representative of the content in it. And to say, oh, well, it doesn't excuse this. Well, like you said, that's not what you're talking about. That's not, that wasn't the purpose, you know, and and that's an argument that I've seen from uh, people in the Black Lives Movement when the the conversation is, if Black Lives Matter so much, then what are you doing in these cities where Black people are killing Black people at an exponential rate? They said, well, that's a totally different thing. Well, then (laughs) your book's a totally different thing. You can't exactly. just say, right, you right. can't say what you want <laughs> right. is totally different, but what I want is not totally different. Like, that's not how that works. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, everything's got to fit their agenda. So. Okay, enough politics, enough negativity. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come back and we're going to laugh. Oh, good. How's that sound? That sounds that sound good. good? <laughs> 
All right, we'll, we'll be right back. Are you interested in CSI or forensics? The Forensic Science Academy program has been recognized as the premier training program completely dedicated to students who are launching their forensic career. The Academy offers specialized hands-on training modules in basic and advanced crime scene investigation, forensic photography, fingerprint identification and classification, crime scene management, and coroner investigations. Instruction is offered in the form of weekend workshops, online courses, webinars, and seminars. Training at the Academy of Forensic Science will give students the competitive edge employers and agencies are looking for when hiring. Past graduates are now working as crime scene investigators, private investigators, forensic pathologists, coroner investigators, forensic nurses, forensic accountants, and even criminalists. The courses are taught by forensic professionals who are experts in the field and hold membership in the International Association for Identification and other professional forensic organizations. For more information, visit ForensicScienceAcademy.org. Again, that's ForensicScienceAcademy.org. Okay, we're back from break, and we were obviously talking before because we're laughing right now. Um, okay, so I, I, um, okay, so COVID nineteen uh, was a time where we, you know, came out of our shells and we started praising the medics and praising the doctors and the nurses and and EMS and all that. Absolutely. And, yeah. and right now, you know, with with uh, what's going on with the violent protests and things like that, we're we're pushing, you know, blue lives matter and, and, you know, gay to the cops and let's support our cops and let's defend the police. But what about firefighters? Do, are we leaving them out? Do you think? They're always, they? they've always been America's heroes, right? Like, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, they're, they're way more strict on, you know, how they mask up and do all that. And, you know, wait, you think they're more strict than police officers when they go to calls for the COVID stuff? Oh, without a COVID. doubt. And now it's kind of like, you know, we'll, we'll get the call and, and they do the COVID screening questions. And, um, you know, we've had calls with people who are positive and we're like, okay, uh, the fire department can go in and let us know if they need us. <laughs> <laughs> it's a medical call. <laughs> well, yeah, this sounds super medical. We'll just be out here waiting. Yep. <laughs> no crime. No victim nope. of crime. Medical alone. Nope. Yep. I was like, you just need to go to the doctor. Bye. Yeah. yeah oh my 100%. gosh. All right. So I want to hear some uh, some stories. You, you've got to have some on your Twitter page. You are constantly posting and making us laugh. So come on. You know, I, I kind of treat Twitter like a, a diary. I don't know if that's the way you're yeah, Twitter. So yes, that is you. You're I, right. I that Twitter's you're like right. my journal. You know, I post this stuff like, or send a text to, you know, a friend and they'd be like, okay, Okay. and which point? And I'm like, okay, never mind. Hold on one second. (laughs) For all of you listeners out there who don't know, who are listening, but you don't know who Sergeant Manders is, it's at Sergeant, like SGT Manders. It's got a lot of Z's after it. So just type that in and you'll find her. And then you'll see what, and then you'll, you'll see what she means. Okay, go ahead. Continue. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. So I, I just, I, I kind of treat it like a journal 
I mean, that's the best out because it's an outlet for me. I mean, that's really it is just kind of a, a way to vent. I don't really use it for a whole lot of other things at this point. It's the way that you say things that, that, oh my Lord, I can sit there and read one thing and I'm laughing for like 10 minutes. Well, good. I'm glad it, I'm going to entertain people because <laughs> yeah. that's what's going on in my brain. Right, right. And, you know, I, I feel entertained. So it's. <laughs> and when you have, okay, so Sergeant Manders has, mm-hmm. uh, for all the listeners out there, she has this cute little filter on her phone. You have an iPhone, right? Oh, my jokes. Yeah. And she has her kids on there and they have the cute little faces and they tell jokes. You have to go on her page, follow her, and you'll see what I mean. Yeah, we'll have to so, do another joke here soon. Fireman stories. So last in-service cycle, so our agency does an annual in-service cycle where, you know, over the course of about 10, eight to 10 weeks, um, all of our officers go through, you know, 40 hours of high liability retraining and and things like that. And so back uh, in 2019, obviously 2018 was the, the Parkland shooting, and that came with a slew of, uh, administrative and policy changes for um, law enforcement, school resource officers, et cetera, uh, how we respond to active shooter situations. Um, It was great stuff. And I was super fortunate to be part of of committees that uh, determined how that happened because I was this SRO supervisor as part of community services. Mm. Um, So in that in-service cycle, and, and our agency has been very fortunate, we have done active shooter training, um, and single officer response for years, we have taught numerous, I mean, just everyone across our entire area, businesses, churches, um, private entities, public schools, you know, we had taught them how to respond in these situations, you know, in, in like a full thorough eight hour day of this is why we do it. This is the data that backs up why we do the things that we do. Uh, This is why we're telling you to do the things that we're telling you to do, you know, in terms of running, hiding, fighting, um, and, and how, and what those things actually look like. And we take people into rooms in their buildings and offices and schools and show them exactly what we're talking about. And you run scenarios. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's that's integral to it. So we wanted to teach every single officer who was not an active shooter instructor, what we were doing. So everyone was on the same page because we had taught so many of these community uh, members were like, you know, the patrol officers, the responding officers, all these folks, they should know what we're teaching. So we did an in-service training. We included our fire department um, because obviously in a critical incident like that, they'll be responding with us. Mm -hmm. Uh, Our tactical medics will um, join us when we're, after that initial single officer response, you know, they will be part of those um, secondary response teams. And they wanted to know, you know, what kind of stuff they would encounter if they were going to a mass casualty incident. So every week that we did this training with officers, the fire department would rotate their personnel through. So it's kind of like a, you know, crawl, walk, fast jog process. So, you know, from how to recover people, you know, from the middle of a, a school hallway, you know, a downed person, you know, with the officers there. And so being an instructor in that, um, I had a lot of, of opportunities to play victim, um, mm-hmm. to role, get drugged down a hallway, to, 
<laughs> to get thrown over someone's shoulder and, and chucked out of a room. I think, oh, gosh. I, think I only got my head hit on a door frame once. Oh. It wasn't a bad, <laughs> it wasn't a bad thing. Oh gosh. So, you know, we run through all these scenarios through most of the, the afternoon. And then at the end, we've got the big one, you know, where we, everyone's staged outside and uh, they hear gunshots inside and that single officer goes in and starts and they have to, you know, the, res- the response teams are designating casualty collection points and, and doing all this stuff. And if you've ever been very in a high school, yes. And if you've ever been in a high school hallway, um, you know, it's really loud. You know, the mm-hmm. walls are concrete, the the floors are concrete and everything's, you know, bouncing all over. So watching them try to find where the source of these, you know, we're using, I think at the, that point we were using air horns to signify gunfire you know, to get them to the source. So they gave us these really cute little stickers Mm -hmm. that said GSW for gunshot wound. (laughs) So we would paste these little stickers all over ourselves to, and the medics would have to address our gunshot. wound. Oh, wow. So, you know, we were trying to, I, I guess in medic world, there's, you know, different wounds you would treat right then and there in the hallway mm-hmm. and different ones you would drag someone down the hall and, and worry about. So we made sure to put them in places where they'd have to address it, yeah. you know, like a femoral, femoral artery, artery. Bleed or something. So <laughs> I'm laying in the hallway and I'm toward the back of the scenario. So they've having to make their way through this, this whole mess of classrooms and casualty collection points and stuff. And I'm laying there and I'm laying there. And all of a sudden the fire department, you know, I, I hear the officers advance and I'm, you know, playing it up like I'm dying, you know, that whole thing, <laughs> you know, screaming. Cause that's, you know, people get kind of excitable yeah, in oh, yeah. scary situations and they're, Help you know, me. screaming and freaking out. Right. So I hear the medics say, you know, okay, we're going to help you. And the one kneels down and I've got this gunshot wound sticker on my leg and, and I'm not really looking at him, but all of a sudden. I feel him completely like hand first with all his body weight land right on my crotch <gasps> and it take like it get, I gasped. I was like, Oh my God. And I cut it up. He's like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm like, who taught you how to do first aid? Because that is not how we do CPR around here. He is Scottish. So he has a very thick accent. And I was like, man, they do things totally different in the UK. This is crazy. <laughs> Apparently he started to fall forward and caught himself oh, on my crotch. Oh no. And poor he guy. was poor guy, poor me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay, poor you. I'm and sorry. Stranger there. <laughs> and so he's trying his best and like he's just so embarrassed. Oh, you can tell. Like he's yeah, totally. seven shades of red. So they get me in drag and I'm, I'm dying at this point. And we get out and after each of these large scale scenarios, oh, they yeah. do this debrief and he's, you know, they're like, does anyone have anything to add? And I'm like, uh, <laughs> I would like, and he stops me. He's like, he's like, I'm just so sorry. He's like, I can't even tell you. I'm sorry. He was a newer medic and you get to Aww. know some of the FD guys and, um, you see, you oh. see him running calls with you. And so most of them you have a good relationship with. And I was, you know, a negotiator with our tag team for a long time. So 
you know, I knew all the tagmetics and they're all dying. They're like, you're not going to believe what he did. And he's like, oh, oh my no. gosh, I can't live this down. Never, never, never. Right. So <laughs> I was in community services following that. So I was not on the road. I wasn't running calls with people. I wasn't see. So I n- didn't see him at all. Right. <laughs> I come back to the road. One of the, the first calls that I, I'm heading out on after this COVID thing starts and him and his partner pull up in their squad. <laughs> And he looks at me and just, he doesn't want to get out of the car. He's like, and I'm laughing. And his partner's like, what is going on? (laughs) So I had to tell him and he's like, I can't believe you just told him that. I'm like, well, listen, I don't, I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) I think people should know our relationship here. I just, we have a history. It's fine. (laughs) So he's more, so now every time his partner sees me, he's like, oh, I make sure to give him crap all the time I see him. And so those are things like you just never ever live down no 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 not forever no no, no. but i'm convinced that the way they do cpr in the uk is very wrong <laughs> if they're going crotch first on people i'm just saying i think they need to rethink their tactics <laughs> i'm no medic however i am first aid certified trained <laughs> and i do not remember that in any of the no, no. i've ever been to oh that poor guy i mean, I mean for it's, you it's certainly, you know, if you got someone faking that they're dying, better get their attention. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, that's, that's true. That's a true. little, I mean, might be more effective than a sternum rub. I don't know. Yeah. Remember, remember, well, did you never had to work the jail, did you? No. Because you're a PD. Yeah. Okay. So I was mm-hmm. sheriff and we had to work the jail and you don't know how many people faked. faked oh, team, I believe it. Faking. Oh my gosh. And, and we would love when the nurses would come up because we couldn't like, touch them unless the nurses were there. And I mean, unless it was a life-saving uh, right. thing, but the nurses would always grab her little salt, break it open, put it right underneath their nose and bam, <laughs> you know, it's a miracle. They were risen from the dead. Well, I mean, they would, they would do it before they got the salt thing out. They're like, no, 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 yeah, you can hear it. Oh, good Lord. Like, no. bakers. Yeah. Oh, I like God. it. So that was my, so firemen, they are, um, Handsy people. No, no, <laughs> no, I meant to say. I'm just kidding. They're, they're fine. They, they are just as much to be praised as they our EMS and our, and, our, and our, yeah. um, our medics, doctors, and everyone they, that's out there working. They do a tremendous amount yeah. to support us. Yes. And, you know, we look out for them as much as they look out for us. Um, I had a, a newer officer on a confirmed death call not that long ago, and, and, you know, I said, Hey, you, I've got another mask for you if you need it. Cause the person had COVID actually. And, uh, the, Wait, uh, not? was it a, it was a dead person. Yeah. You can still get COVID emitted from them when they're dead. I don't, I don't know. know. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm I don't know. You know how, I, you know how they're, they release gases when yeah. they're dead. Oh yeah. So, so probably right. Yeah. Well, Ew, right. Gross. Well, so we have a, a variety of different masks and some of them are the N95s with the, the respirator pieces in yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just the, the face mask, not the full face mask, but yeah, just the, right. there's the nose the and mouth, with the little tiny little filter thing on it. And, um, the, you know, I was talking to the, the Lieutenant who was on scene, who's a, a friend of mine. And, he looks over at her and he's like, she is, she's not going to go in there with that mask. Right. And I'm like, what do you, what do you mean? He's got COVID or something like, plus he's, he's, you can smell it from out here. Like he's, he's like, that's, he's going to, she's going to smell all of his death right through that little filter. <laughs> and I'm like, 
Oh, that's a good point. No, I don't want that. I'm like, come on back. Let me give you this other mask I have. She's like, no, no, I'm fine. He's like, trust her. I just told her like that is a bad idea. Wow. Yeah, but hold on a second. I worked CSI for 15 years and that mask, it we, we, we never had a mask to cover smells. We wore the mask so we wouldn't breathe in the, the particles and the grossness. Yeah. It didn't cover the are. smell. I think that's what people like. So the smells are the particles getting in your nostrils. Yeah. No, yeah, I know. I know. So, <laughs> so, so what I did, I found a way to breathe through my mouth the whole and time. Eat I was the on particles. No, yeah, no, I know. No, I know. I'm eating them. I know. Believe me, they were in my pores. I would go home and I would smell like a dead body. Oh, it's for sure. Hair, it's in mm-hmm. your uniform. Oh, oh, you yeah. can't. I know. That out. I know. You know. You know. It that's why smelled. I'm like, that's why I'm the sergeant. Now. I'm like, hey, uh, let me know if anything's <laughs> suspicious in there. Otherwise, I'm just gonna just be out here. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I'll be out here, um, right away from the, the stank. But no, I, I just, I remember. Um, I mean, I knew, I knew all that was going in my body, in my pores, anyway. So I might as well just breathe through my mouth. That way, I don't have to smell it the whole time. Because you have to work. You have to stand up for like hours. And I'm not going to smell that. I'd throw up or faint or or run out. I mean. We've actually either- had um, we've had situations where the, again, we're always being saved by the fire department. Uh, <laughs> Is they've given us their um, breathing apparatus. Like their full face covers and yeah, their tanks. Yeah. And we've wow. had people go in that way. You don't have wow. to smell any of it. It's that really bad. Oh, so awesome. Yeah. Man, I wish we had that. They hooked us up. And, you know, I wrote about this in my book, that vanilla packet they used to give us to put on our nostrils. Mm-hmm. Well, all it did, it smell like a vanilla dead body. Yeah. It was the dumbest <laughs> thing ever. So now do you think I'd buy vanilla candles from the store? Oh, that uh, would ruin my life. No, I love like, I vanilla candles. No, no, not me. I <laughs> no, can, no. I can, I can, <laughs> I have vanilla candles, but they have to be mixed with other more powerful flavors, you know, like lavender Any flavor or bidet. cinnamon. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> like I'm at, I can just see you at Bath and Body Works sniffing the candles and you're like, ma'am, do you have anything that's a little less depth? Than <laughs> she's like, what? Vanilla? She's like, ma'am, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. You're like, I just want a non-death vanilla candle, please. I know. I know. <laughs> and my daughter, poor, poor my daughter, she bought me a vanilla candle one year. And, you know, thank you, honey. I really appreciate that. It's beautiful. And we got candles out one time. She goes, mom, how can you never burn my candle? And I was like, oh, crap, you know. So what do you do, you you know? What do you do? (laughs) Well. I know. I felt so bad. Oh. (laughs) It is bad. bad. It is bad. (laughs) Okay. I want to know. Okay. um, Let's talk about something completely different. How do you and your husband stay married and how do you stay happy with two kids, full-time jobs and cops, no less, who have the highest divorce rate, I think, in the world? Are we still at 85% divorce rate? I don't know. I haven't Probably. looked it up. Well, we've both been di- divorced. If Wait, what'd you say? I don't think I think we've, both, we've both been divorced. So we got that out of the way. <laughs> Maybe that's it. I don't Everyone gets a divorce under their belt. Yeah, get, yeah do that. Move on and be fine. Um, we we try not to talk a lot about work. I mean, it's hard. We work at the same place. So, um, you know, our paths cross indefinitely. Um, but, but I'm going to interrupt you. Yeah. Which I'm notorious for. 
why not talk about work? Don't you need, okay. So my book kind mm-hmm. of revolved around me. Stop. I stopped talking and I, and I didn't want to talk about it, but you need to talk about it. So you got to get yeah. that stuff out. So, so tell me, talk about that. What, what's so we do, you do if you need to, Yeah, like I think bothering so. you. Yeah. I mean, and you know, if there's other work stuff, like you know, one of my best friends was an officer with us for a long time and um, she lives up north now. But so, I'll, you know, I'll talk to her if it's like, you know, super specific stuff that he's just going to be like, yeah, I already know about that. Like, oh, <laughs> like, <laughs> um, like if he feels yeah, not going to. read your email too, I get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think it's, honestly, you know, <laughs> I, I think it's just accepting that because it, it was funny the way you asked you're like, you know, how do you stay happy? I think you recognize that you're not always going to be happy. Okay. Um, That's good to hear. That, you know, it's not always going to be easy. It It's kind of what you make of it and, and mm-hmm. what you value in, in terms of um, sticking with it. You know, is there someone else you want to have to do this life with? Mm-hmm. You're going to have to do this life. Yeah, you want right. to do it with someone, then do yeah. it with someone. If you don't, then don't. But um, it, it's it's knowing that it's super super easy to quit, and you know there are definitely times where you're like, man, this is why do people put themselves through this stuff? Um, but then having you know someone in your corner and and having positive things to focus on is is probably the best thing I I would say is just saying like, you know, there's terrible things that happen to everyone and no one's perfect. And, Mm -hmm. you know, what you see in other people is not what they're living. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and getting that out of your head in terms of the ideal, you know, Oh, this is what a perfect relationship would be like. Well, yeah, probably. But it's in not a, going to be because I guarantee you the person you're looking at is not <laughs> having a perfect time all the time. Right. Um, and We're all just human. That. Yeah. Accepting that, yeah. you know, not everyone's going to be that ideal image that you create in your mind. They're just not going to be, you know, they're going to leave something on the floor that you're going to trip on. <laughs> and it's going <laughs> to make you want to beat them with it. And then knowing that there are rules against that, you get in a lot of trouble. <laughs> especially as an officer, I think you would have your gun taken away. Yeah. So I, you know, I think we're, I think we're super fortunate that, um, yeah, I kind of go back and forth. You know, we're super fortunate. We're being, we're in the same profession. Um, but it does kind of overwhelm you. Like I I don't want to talk about work all the time, you know, with him. Um, it gets exhausting. You you do want to find other things. So, and I think it almost makes us like forces us to find other things to, you know, occupy our time with. Yeah. Um, I mean, at the present, that's children. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, de- dealing with the stuff that they're. Yeah. Yeah, they're joyful a lot. <laughs> yeah. You're sometimes they're, sometimes they're terrible. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to get rid of them, but I'll keep them. Um, but yeah, so it, that's, that's, you know, 
that's the other struggle is you're kind of like, oh man, you know, when the kids are older and there's all this different stuff and then you're like, oh, but then the kids are going to be older and then they're not going to be here and then that makes you sad. Aww. So, you know, it's just realizing that, that life is full of ups and downs and all arounds and you either want to stick with it or good luck. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, no, I think that's a good answer. I, I like that. I like that you re you re um, you reframed what I said about how do you stay happy because yeah because you're not happy all the time. And, oh no, it's it's, you true. just can't be right. It's impossible. I think that's We're impractical. Human. Yeah, yeah. When people yeah. are like, oh, you know, what's the secret to a happy marriage? It's knowing that you're just not going to be happy all the time. Yeah. No, I like the way that you reframed that for me. It's good. So all you listeners out there, if you're not happy today, it's okay. Embrace the suck (laughs) for a second. (laughs) You know, and don't get me wrong. There's, you know, there's going to be extremes to that. You know, no one deserves to be miserable their whole life. Of course. You know, no one deserves to be in an unhealthy situation. But um, a lot of that, yeah, Yeah. a lot of that needs, you you have to understand the the reference and and a a point of reference to saying, Mm -hmm. you know, but also the same token, you, being too idealistic and saying, oh, you you should have someone that, you know, is happy with you no matter what. That's not realistic. Un- unrealistic. Yeah. 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 Completely. Yeah. Yeah. It's been such a joy having you on again. Oh, I cannot yeah. believe time's flown. <laughs> I know. It has. So so for all of you listeners out there, you've got to follow her page on Twitter so that you can... Um, hear her follow her journal I guess yeah. now I know it's a journal. so you can read my diary yeah like yeah people you are <laughs> hey you put it out there we're reading that's it, girl. true that's true that's true <laughs> so yeah no thank you thank you for your honesty yeah. thank you for being fun and always always here you're just awesome I love you you're oh, a great thank woman you. you're a great thank woman you so much. thank you so I appreciate you coming on oh absolutely yeah until next time it. girl <laughs> see ya bye Have you ever wondered what being a part of CSI is really like? If so, here's your chance to experience it. My book titled Through My Eyes, CSI Memoirs That Haunt the Soul, contains 11 personal accounts of the most grueling and heartbreaking crime scenes I worked during my 15 years in the Crime Scene Investigations Unit. While reading my book, you'll walk inside the crime scene tape with me. You'll catch a glimpse of what I saw, touched, smelled, and even tasted during an average workday. I'll take you on a difficult journey of memories, uncovering layers of emotional trauma left behind. So if you're considering a job in CSI, this is the book for you. Or if you're just wondering what it's like to work in CSI, again, this is the book for you. Through My Eyes is available in the ebook format and paperback on Amazon. The Real Life Podcast was recorded and is being made available by Anchor.fm and its affiliates solely for the informational and entertainment purposes. The information, statements, comments, views, and opinions provided and or expressed on the Real Life Podcast are entirely those of the host, guests, and callers, 
and are responsible for all show content and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the agencies and communities that the guests may serve. Some parts of the Real Life Podcast may contain adult content intended for people who are 18 years of age or older. Please listen responsibly.